All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Today is a special episode. So today is an episode between me and my dear friend, April. April is a former journalist and has this amazing gift of having people extract their stories and telling it. And so this podcast turned into April extracting my story. And I actually have never shared parts of my story that were shared in this podcast. It was very cathartic. It was very releasing. And there is incredible actionable insights about using your story, how to use your story, how to tell it, how to extract it. Plus, I kind of pull back this curtain. I used to call them skeletons in the closet, but now they're just the inside of my story and chapters in my book. And I share all of those as well. I think there's a few tears between both of us, but this episode is amazing. It is powerful. And I highly recommend that you listen. And so I can't do it any more justice than that. So I'm about to cue the intro and you should listen to the show. Let's go. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. And we are live with George Bryant in the house. Welcome, my friend. Thank you for having me. I'm like, I don't get nervous for podcasts, but I've known you for so long and you know me so well. I'm like, I might be a little nervous right now. Ah, that's how I feel when I got to come on your, your podcast. Um, it, it's always fun though. Always fun to get to, you know, really talk with people and interview people that you respect and admire greatly. So that's just what those nerves mean. So, um, I'm glad you're here. I'm so excited. Um, you've been on my list for a long time that I wanted to, and I have to say you're Okay, you're only like the third male to come on the show. I tend to, I te- I don't know why I tend to cut through that veil a lot. Uh, yeah. Even in like communities and Sundance and in yours and everything else. Yeah. I think it's because I'm so in tune with my story now that I can confidently share my emotions without <laughs> false walls that make me feel safe. There you go. Boom. That's a lead in right there. Yeah. Well, you are, you are in, you are in touch with your, your feminine side and you, you talk about it very openly. So we're going to dive into all of that, but, you know, I shared in the open a little bit about, um, just, you know, who you are to me, uh, been somebody that I have followed for a long time before actually getting to know you. And one of the things that always drew me to you in this online world of charades and, uh, marketing and positioning and all of those things, posturing really is how, I always felt you were being really honest and authentic, even maybe before you were truly being honest and authentic, yeah. even back then, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> when I first met you, you were showing up really um, well, number one, you were showing up consistently. You were being, you know, really helpful to your audience. You ran at the time, at the time you were running a company called civilized caveman, which was a paleo food blog, um, helping people, you know, with their, with their nutrition and things like that. You were a New York times bestseller. I mean, like accolades after accolades, million, million followers, million, million, millions of dollars in the bank, all the things, all the things, all the things, all the things. And there was a, you know, but what I liked about you, even back then when maybe the authenticity wasn't quite on point yet was that I could see you trying, like I could see you trying so hard to like really just be real with people. But there was a little bit of a veil that was keeping you from telling your story to your audience authentically. Do you want to start there and kind of pick up where, where that story was at the moment? Yeah. I think it's the best place. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like ripped the bandaid off kind of guy. (laughs) Um, So the two things that pop into my mind first is that uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to frame this a little bit because I've learned, uh, that stories are constantly being written, right? Yeah. It's never a cemented story. And so, yes, I started that company because I needed help and I didn't know how to ask for it. So the, the inception of that company was built on hollow ground from the get go, right? Uh-huh. I became a food blogger because I wanted to beat bulimia without telling anybody that I was bulimic because I wanted to quote unquote do it myself. And so for the first three years of that business, 
I was living a double life. Like I was living a lie because I'm like, eat healthy and paleo here. And then I turn around, I was still purging like as a bulimic, as an active paleo food blogger and a New York Times bestselling paleo cookbook author, right? And it was like walking, walking insecurity and hollow ground. And so then what I realized though, is that I was always afraid to tell my story because when I was a child, I didn't get to have a story. I just survived. I just survived through abuse. And if I survived through all of this stuff, and when I joined the Marine Corps, they're not like, oh yeah, George, tell us about your feelings, right? Like, how do you, how do you feel? Like, what happened when you were <laughs> yeah. a kid? They like, weren't oh. asking you about your story then at all. No. They're like, oh, you're angry. And they don't like, care. No, they're like, oh, you're angry. I'm like, yeah, like, cool. Let's teach you how to use that to kill people. I'm like, dope. Yeah. Let's go. I don't have to feel again, right? I don't have to feel. I don't have to feel. Mm-hmm. But then what ended up happening was um, I started blogging. And I started talking and I wasn't sharing my story, but I was sharing my perspective. Like I would blog every day. Like a lot of people don't know when I started Civilized Caveman, it was to teach myself how to cook and to hold myself accountable. But I wrote a blog post every day, which meant a new recipe, 365 days a year. And I would just write how I felt that day. And I wouldn't write where it was coming from or what there, but it was just a way for me to try to get it out and get Uh it out. And the consistency of getting it out started cracking the shell a little bit, right? And then it would like leak out a little bit more, but then I would get a comment and they're like, oh my God, this did this for me. And it would crack it open even wider because I was like, well, that wasn't my whole truth. And so a couple of days later, I'd be writing again and I'd be like, oh, it's out again. And it got to a point where I was exactly where I wanted everybody, about 80% in, because at 80%, I could control and manipulate I didn't have to allow anybody in that could hurt me anymore based on my life, but I was really good at playing authenticity. And I wasn't, I didn't know it at the time. You nailed it. I wasn't doing it intentionally. Hindsight's 2020. I've done a lot of work since then. So I'm like, oh, I can totally see how I was doing it then. Uh And I knew that my story was so severe that me telling it in my frame would be over than what most people had. And they would be like, this guy's being authentic and transparent and they would empathize with me and they would love me, but really never get all of me. Yeah. And so that was what it was. But because I had built this community and I'd showed up consistently, I couldn't stop showing up. And so the pressure of that container, Parkinson's law, is what allowed me to crack. And I look at it like an onion because getting to 80% was huge. And then what ended up happening is 80% didn't feel good anymore. I wasn't getting the same release or happy feeling or joy after I told it, because now it wasn't really my story. It was a story I was telling. And so then it would start to evolve and it would start to evolve. And there were two big inflection points. Um, Number one is when I came out to the world. Uh, Here's what happened. I remember this like was the back of my hand. I was in Boston at the Ancestral Health Symposium. I was there with everybody you can imagine. Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, Abel James, all my friends, and Stephanie Rupert was there. And she ran a podcast for women. And she specialized in eating disorders. And I had a little bit too much to drink that night at the bar with Abel. And it was like 2 a.m. And I've actually, April, I've never told this story. Um, It was 2 a.m. outside of Faneuil Hall in Boston. And Abel and I were business partners. We were doing all this. And there was three of us hanging out. And he's like telling me how much he loves me and how awesome I am and blah, blah, blah. And I was so toasted that I was like, how can you love somebody that lies to you? And they like both looked at me and I was like, cause here's the truth. And I was like, I'm bulimic and boom, 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 and boom, boom, boom. And we were so like out there and they both took it in stride and Stephanie's like, well, let's talk about it tomorrow. And I'm like, cool. So I go over the next day and we recorded a podcast on it. Like that was it. Wow. That's how the world knew. And she got a couple million downloads an episode. So I wrote a blog post called Dear Bulimia. You fought hard, but I won. And we published her podcast and wrote that blog post and published it at the same time. Um, and I gave out my personal email and I said, listen, this is a touchy subject. If I can help you in any way, I'm still going through it, but I'm owning it. I've been working on it. And I got almost 5,000 emails in a week. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was like, whoa. And I didn't even know what it was at the time, but I was like, wow, my story now has an impact and and I'm quite an interesting character. You know, you don't see the dude with an eight pack and tattoos in Afghanistan talking about purging and porta potties because he's bulimic very often, right? So everyone's like, if he has it. And so that was number one. But the one thing I'd never shared in that story was why I had an eating disorder. Uh-huh. 
And so that layer peeled and that got me to like 90%. And then I was the food blogger that recovered from an eating disorder. And that attracted a whole new audience, whole new story. And then the second inflection point was a, I was giving a keynote at uh, Paleo FX. My wife was there. God love my wife. And uh, I was giving a keynote on like the three ways you can use food to create breakthrough results in your life. I remember the talk like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And right before we go out, my wife looked at me and <laughs> dead in the eye. And she said, are you really going to go up there and lie? And I knew exactly what she meant. Like, to the T because it was a surface thing. It was a surface. Talk. Yeah. Surface and, level. And I was like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so like, I'm drenched in sweat, like everything up there. And I was like, I can't give this talk. Cause it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's in front of all my peers at the height of my career. And I'm like, they're going to leave. I'm going to lose my business. I'm going to lose my sponsorships. I'm going to lose blank, 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 blank. And I walked out on the stage and I was like, I have a talk, but I can't lie to you anymore. And I was like, so let's talk about why I have a talk. And I was like, all of you know this, but you don't know why. And I literally Uh looked at this audience of a thousand people and I was like, I was bulimic because I was sexually abused when I was nine and raped when I was 13. I'm getting emotional now. Um, And every fear that I had immediately dissipated because everybody that was standing up sat down. Everybody that was sitting down looked up and everybody that was not engaged, engaged quick. And then I gave that talk. I don't remember any of it. I know I lost like seven pounds in the span of 45 minutes with sweat. (laughs) And everything changed after that. And that was the big inflection point, the second one. And so I continued. And part of it is what it gave me was this permission slip to be myself. Um, And then those were the first two big points. And then the third one that got me to today (laughs) was... That was like 80% to 90, 90 to 100. And then once I was at 100, it took me a couple years to learn the difference between vulnerability and intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, That's a big one. Um, and, and I swung so far in the opposite direction that it was like, it felt so good getting it out. I was getting it out on everybody that didn't need it out on and it wasn't supporting mm-hmm. me or anybody else. Um, because it was a new way to protect myself. Because now if I tell you everything, April, that I was bulimic, sexual abuse, lost my dad, attempted suicide, blah, 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 blah. Now it's like, hey, I'm giving you a new reason to not get close to how I really feel in this moment. I just compensated the other way. And so mm-hmm. then eventually- Almost like vomiting all over yeah, people, right? Oh, just vomit. I'm going to vomit everything so that you can't everything. use it against me. Yeah. Yep. Which, which is a new form of protection. <laughs> so before it, sure it was is. like- just yeah. a, not all I won't of tell it. you anything. And now it's all of it. And it's yeah. like, I never got it. And it would be so quick. It, it, I'd be like, April, it's so nice to meet you. Like, yeah. And you're like, oh, how? tell me your story or how's your business? And within 45 seconds, April, I would mm-hmm. literally cover you. In, and like the only thing you can do is close. No matter who mm-hmm. you are as a human, <laughs> because there's no engagement. It's almost like this projection and it's heavy. Yeah. And so then that was probably... Um, the biggest phase for me, but I keep playing and keep playing my wife as a, a goddess and supports me in all of this. And it got to a point where then I'd say the biggest part of my evolution was then telling my story when my story was warranted, was supportive of yeah. the si- situation, but not starting with my story, starting with my feelings and allowing it to go. And so those were the three big parts for me. And when you met me, um, yeah, I, I was, was, I was <laughs> the beginning post- of that. Yeah, I was like right around when the bulimia came out. And here's what you said, and I, and I will give myself credit. I love humanity. Like I'm going to cry mm-hmm. thinking about it. I love human beings uh, because I didn't get much love as mm-hmm. a child, right? And I somehow made it out and didn't follow the same dark path. But it's like people matter. And my story that I was telling was my way of screaming to the world that I want you to know that you matter and I want to matter, but I don't know what to do. I don't know mm-hmm. what to say, where to go, how to be me. And the world got to witness very publicly, very publicly, my ups, my downs, my dark. And I mean, it was hard. It was very exposed, like for years. Um, but it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, uh, you know, I don't like doing easy stuff anyway. So I might as well keep playing this way. And so now I, I keep it there, but I, I, de- I definitely say I'm more of like a refined professional now than I was back then. It's like a liability, 
with my story, <laughs> but um, it, it makes me happy to know. I think you could always sense my intention. And I, what I've heard from people, yourself, my wife, and everybody else, it's like, you could see what I was saying, but you could feel what I wanted underneath yeah. it or what I was trying to do, but I didn't have the tools and I hadn't processed enough and been in touch enough with my own story to be able to do that. And so that's kind of the whole evolution that got us to today. Well, I think this is such a valid and important thing to point out about storytelling, just sort of as a note to our listeners and anyone out there that's, you know, exploring how to tell their own story or for those who are not really telling the whole story, right? Like not telling that story at all is what we, what we end up telling ourselves, the lie that we end up telling ourselves about like, oh, I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to keep the rest of it at bay and I'm going to keep that stuff locked away and tucked away so that no. Nobody would ever know the real truth. Yeah. We lie to ourselves because, you know, those of us, the, those in the audience, right? Those in the audience that you're telling that story to, the only one you're you're covering up for is yourself it's because yourself. everyone else can tell. And I think that that was what, you know, I sensed about you. Again, I did not know you. We just nope. were internet online. followers. You know, yeah. we just, I just followed you online. I, I wasn't even, you know, I'm not a paleo caveman. Uh, I mean, I'm freaking vegetarian. No, over you here, were vegetarian so. and I'm yeah. pushing bacon on everybody. Yeah, you were hugs and bacon. And, yeah. but that was so not the point of why I was following you because I found you interesting, right? And this is, again, what I tell people about stories is like our stories do allow us to, to kind of show a side of us that can allow us to be human and interesting and, and worth following. And maybe we can learn from people, you know, in the, in those, in those situations. And that certainly has happened for you, yeah. but when you're not telling the whole story, the audience is smart and they, they know more. And I think I just sensed from you all along, like there's so much more to this guy than what he's actually telling us. And not that I had earned the right for you to tell me your story, because of course, you know, that has to be a two-way relationship and that has to be something that both parties are willing to do. But it has been really fun. I just have to say over the years, watching the evolution of George and I, re I just really admire you for sticking with it and figuring out the full story for yourself. Not only, number one, because it's healing and important for humans to do, right? And number two, it allows so many more people to come in and be served by you, which is what you ultimately want, right? That's the goal. Yeah, and I'd <laughs> to say to be like of service. The, the the big part that I want to put an exclamation point on that one with is. Um, you know, part of it is like, I didn't even know I had a story, uh -huh. you know what I mean? So there's like evolutions mm -hmm. to this. And, um, you know, when I met you and we were online, like, you know, it's just a testament. Only 8% of communication is verbal. The rest of it's nonverbal. <laughs> video, audio, it doesn't matter. You can sense it in people's words. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, anything less than the full story is exhausting. It's exhausting because yeah. it's a lie and it's, you have to remember it. You got to try to keep tabs on it. You got to try to do it all. Um, and it was a very interesting thing because the difference now is that like I used to tell it and I used to say it and I used to do it, but I'd always be like, oh, they don't like me or what did they think? Or was it boom? And now it's like, I say it. I forget what I said like 10 seconds later. Cause it's like, it's just the truth. It's just, it's the, just truth. the truth. Like that's, yeah. that's all it is. It's like, take it or leave it. But what it comes with is this like self-confidence, like it's a full expression of how I feel in that moment, not attached to either way. And it's a really powerful and freeing place to be. Um, it has its own unique sets of challenges, right? When you think about like claiming your sovereignty and living with that, uh, you know, and, and owning your story for what it is, um, mm -hmm. especially in our world where we would then use it as a tool to help people and empower people and, and do things like that. But it is so much easier um, living this way because I feel like, and I have a really good memory, you know, this, um, <laughs> I feel like I had memorized a novel and like, I could recite it on cue. Yeah. And, and now I don't have to remember anything. I just express how I feel. Yeah. You get to rip up the script, you yeah, know, I, just oh, rip it up. Just, just rip up the script. And so it's, it's a really powerful place to be. And, and, and now like, I understand the power story. And I will say like one of the best pieces of advice I got, I was working on a book when I was going to write another book and I kept like getting stuck and getting stuck. And this person looked at me and said, you can't write a book that you're still in the middle of. Yeah. And it was such a valid, valid point for me. And so now I just kind of look at my life, like there's chapters and you know, when the conclusions come then it's time to write it. Uh, 
but I do really believe now that once you get to this point of like knowing, like for me, and I can only speak for me, knowing who I am and like what matters to me, me, my business, my family, my legacy, right? I can then choose from that place to write whatever story I want for that day. And that's a really powerful thing for me. And then the other part that I would, I would say that is something that I'm very, 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 very grateful to know now is not everybody needs to or gets to know every part of my story. Yes. And there's so much peace in that. And there's so mm-hmm. much comfort in that. And it's, it's an interesting thing because as a guy right now, right? Like I can give keynotes to thousands of people and I'm like, I'll answer every one of your questions, right? And like I've been out there and then they swing all the way back. Um, the, the calm confidence and kind of just being like, this is it. And if my story or parts of my story or chapters of my story serve this conversation or serve you or support what we're talking about, I will share them. And if they don't, I don't have to. And either way, I can just be authentic. And, it, and it's this very different place to come from. And I love it. It's a very powerful place. That's really huge, too, because I know so many people when they're thinking about sharing their story or especially using their story in an important way, they have a hard time discerning what parts to use and what parts to leave for themselves. Well, I always say, look, you get to leave a bunch on the editing room floor, but it's hard for some people, especially when you're so close to your own story, to be able to take that aerial view and look at it with discernment and be able to decide, you know, am I really just telling this like you were doing before for my own processing (laughs) (laughs) or could I leave some of that out and still you know, find the juicy parts that this person that I'm telling the story to can actually use and benefit from. And that's where, you know, my whole concept around light beamers even comes about was like, is this idea that when we share our stories, we shine a light. It's, it's learning to share the story that's going to shine the light for the person we're sharing it with. Mm -hmm. It's, it's knowing your audience. Right. And so the fact that you can calmly and confidently and securely know the difference in that now is so freeing. It doesn't make storytelling hard. You know, if storytelling is feeling hard for people, it's because they haven't figured those pieces out. And that's okay. There's work to be done, but it can be done. And I think too, and this came up for my brain when you were saying this, because obviously like I still... I'm still in this, right? Because the story never stops. Never stops. And I can always tell when I get emotional because there's still parts of it that are like Mm. fresh and growing in there. Um, You know, but I think, uh, and I think one of the worst things that I ever did is I always tried to narrate my story with myself, right? And that is the worst place to be, right? My reptilian brain, my limbic brain, like my ego, my shadows, like say it, don't say it. It's almost like I convinced myself so much that my story was real that it kind of became real, like it was in the matrix. And yeah. so the one thing that you said that I think was huge for me is that, you know, I, I, I'm a kind of an extreme guy, right? I was like, Oh, the world doesn't know I'm bulimic. Let me tell a million and a half people for the first time. Right. Like uh-huh. you don't have to go that way. But what I found is like any outlet that is not inside of you is the secret to extracting the story, whether it's writing, whether it's verbal, uh-huh. whether it's video, whether it's a friend, whether it's a stranger, The one part though, is that you always have to ask permission. And I will tell you right now is that that has been one of my fastest tracks to full authentic expression. Because the moment I go from like April and you're like, oh, how am I feeling today? I'm like, hey, like I can give you this. Hey, April, is it okay if I tell you like how I'm really feeling? And you're like, yes. Then I like give it to you without any expectation, without anything. But it's funny because even now I find myself having to do that. Like with some of my friends Uh where I'm like, I don't know if April, when I see you and Kyle, if you're ready for me to have that right now. And then I don't want to have it be inauthentic expression or not there. And I'm like, hey, yeah, like, hey, can I share something that kind of deep? And you're like, yes, it's really funny because that that question, that permission slip for me now uh, is huge because it automatically puts me in like whatever I say is OK and it can be real and expressed. And so and it, can try- messy. Messy. it can be messy. It can be messy in that moment. Yeah. So what I what I try to do is just always find a way out. So if I don't have somebody, I find a pen and a piece of paper. I find a keyboard. I've I record voice. Obviously, that's what I tend to do. Um, but I will say that I would I could have fast tracked my healing, my journey, my story probably about seven years if I tried not to solve it in the same container that it was messing around in. Right? Like I was just uh-huh. throwing more crap into a whirlpool, hoping that it would stop. Um, and so finding an outlet outside of myself was huge. So big for me. 
Well, I'm really curious and I've never asked you this question before, but it just, it, it, you know, I was thinking about it. You have done a lot of work. You've done a ton of work and I know you've had people along the way helping you do that work. I'm, that's yeah. not my question. Yeah. My question is more so specifically around your story, like in that pocket of people who have helped you on your, on your growth journey. Have you ever had anyone specifically helping you dive into that story and work in doing the storytelling work? Or did that come out of doing the personal development work as a result? Yeah, it, no one helped me specifically with my story. It all came from expressing my trauma, really, uh -huh. is where it came from. And so I'd say the most pivotal part, like the most pivotal thing that I ever did was EMDR, um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, because the way that EMDR was the first modality of therapy, and, and just for context for everybody, so this makes sense, um, I had a lot of PTSD, a lot of uh -huh. it, uh, childhood PTSD from sexual trauma, and then 13 years in the Marine Corps, three combat deployments, lots of death, lots of things yeah. that I witnessed. And so I had like trauma, encasing trauma, encasing trauma. Yep. And um, I had done prolonged exposure. I had done talk therapy, psychology, psychiatry, medication, and it just all got worse. And then EMDR was this new thing where it was so simple and so profound, but it worked so well. And for the first time, I was able to actually share my story, also witness my story and, and have an understanding of it. And so, you know, the difference between like going to talk therapy and they're like, okay, what's coming up today? EMDR almost follows and reverse maps your neural pathways of how you've stored memories. And a lot of people, I didn't know this, but we physically store memories and trauma in our physical body and DNA, not just in mm -hmm. our brain. Like our brain connects to other parts of our body. Absolutely. Um, and it's like our whole body is like a hard drive. And so I'll give an example for those that don't know. It's like uh, I, I, three of my Marines committed suicide and I witnessed two of them and found one of them. So those were really dark times for me. And those tend to bother me more than anything else back in the day. And so I would go look, all right, think about Tom. And then I'm like, cool. And then you do the light, the sound, all the bars and you do like 10 seconds. It's like, okay, you thought about Tom? Like, yeah, I was like, then what'd you think about? And I was like, oh, I thought about when I was riding a bike when I was a kid. He's like, cool, think about that. And you go 10, 15 seconds. He's like, what'd you think about? I'm like, oh, I thought about the time my dad yelled at me. He's like, oh, what'd you think about? And so rather than me trying to give some narrative in my brain recollected that's 80% made up anyways, um, EMDR reverse maps like where I've got it and gets to the root of it. And the root of it was like that trauma with Tom reminded me of when I got drastically hurt as a child and neither of my parents were there and I felt that nobody cared for me. And so it was rooted in with Tom and me feeling like I couldn't care for him and he mm. got hurt under my watch. So once ah. I had, once I had the beginning and then I had the end, I had a very crystal clear picture of what that story was. And it wasn't anything I could have articulated. Sure. So no way. Once I got that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then we did the next one. And then we did the next one. And then we did the next one. And I was like, oh, anything that I would have told as like what happened or how I felt would have been so grossly inaccurate because it never got rooted back into what it was tied into in my psyche or in my body or anything like that. And so once that work started, it was simultaneously in line when I was becoming a personal development teacher and doing that work and started doing other modalities as well, some plant medicine, physical stem cells. And then every time I would do this work, they'd be like, okay, what's coming up? Where are you? And I was actively going through EMDR and they would notice like, hey, the story is very different. It's very short. It's very clear. <laughs> it's very concise. And they're like, you do realize that you're talking about it like it's water. I was like, uh-huh, yeah. It's, it's, and like people would start to notice. And it just came through the practice of expressing it. As I learned more about it, I left some of it on the editing floor. Yeah. And I trimmed some more of it. And then what I was left was like, oh, that's my story. Oh, that's cool. And I was like, oh, it's kind of funny because now that I know my story, I just wrote the conclusion and threw it away. Awesome. Let's go write another one. And that was kind yeah. of like the evolution that I went through. And I feel like now I'm in the middle of a new one. Um, but this one is like the legacy as a father, right? Uh, there come the tears. Like I have a four-year-old son, right? And I'm reparenting all the things that I had traumatized to that I didn't get as a child. And so now I'm rewriting that original story and how I parent my son because I'm basically reparenting myself through my parenting of him. <laughs> yeah. 
He never gets hit. He's never been yelled at. He will never be abused. He will always be built up. He will always have a safe space. Like there's all these things now that are just in this new version of the story, but I know all the way back to where it comes from. And Uh so the expressiveness of it is kind of how I got to that story and get to the stories that I get to. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And I see that, you know, I get the, the pleasure of, of working with you now. Um, I'm in your mastermind and, you know, you've become a huge mentor in my life, especially in my business. And it's, it's, it's so refreshing to see someone at your, you know, success level and level of business and, you know, whatever you're doing in the world, it's refreshing to see how you still, um, show up, especially now at this stage of your life and where you are and having done all this work, how you show up so authentic and open and still part of your own journey. Like you never, you you're wearing the shirt right now. This is (laughs) unapologetically authentic. And that truly is who you are. Cause you know, you'll show up to our calls sometimes and you're like, you guys, I'm just going to tell you right now, this is how I'm feeling today. It's a shit show over here. You know, like you will just be so honest and like, in two seconds, just give, give us that context. And it's like, while you're also showing up being the leader, right. You can also still show up being George. And that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about today. Cause I feel like this is a really important topic, especially in today's world where we need a whole lot more of this right now is, um, is grounded leadership. And you know, a lot of that has to be obviously rooted in our story and people have to be confident in what they're doing, but they also have to be available to receive from other people. And I feel like you still make yourself really available to receive from those around you. You don't have it all figured out and you don't pretend to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about your leadership style? Yeah. How do do you assess it? I mean, I can give you my my version of what, how I assess it, but I'd love to hear... I would love to hear your version after my version. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. So my leadership style was developed through pain and trauma, and it was in the Marine Mm -hmm. Corps, right? So for everybody to have context, like I joined the Marine Corps straight out of high school, right? I was homeless, um, you know, working three jobs, providing for myself. We had social services in. I tried to emancipate myself. I forged my parents' signature to join the Marine Corps. Like I wanted to go. And then Napoleon complex took over, right? I was like, okay, cool. You fuckers, I'll show you, right? Okay. Honor graduate boot camp, honor graduate American combat training, honor graduate school, like blah, 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 right? Honor graduate all the way to deployment. And then I realized that nobody liked me. Nobody talked to me. And I was just compensating and causing issues. And I would get in trouble all the time because I was like, I knew how to use tact. And so I could do just enough to not lose rank or money, but still be an a-hole. And it wasn't until I learned how to follow Mm. that I learned how to lead. And it took a whole lot of me realizing that every time I thought it was me against the world, it was me alone. Everything around me suffered. And really the only person who suffered was me because nobody else was interested. And uh, I had a very wise mentor, one of my bosses, and he would just put me on shitty things. And he never told me, he's like, I'm going to basically put you on these things until you realize that the only way they're not shitty is if you work as a team. And it was the George show, the George show, the George show, because that's how I survived my whole life. Like that was, sure. that was your like, ego, right? Yeah, it's your well, ego. It's and, just and totally it was, on survival mode. But it was just a survival mechanism because yeah. that's the thing that kept me alive in my childhood. Right. And so it was trauma induced compensation. And so, um, it was my deployment to Somalia, um, 13 months, uh, when I turned 21 and that that place is best described as hell on earth. Um, that was a very humbling, um, experience and I almost lost my legs. Like I had a very traumatic thing happen out there. And, uh, after that, uh, I was in a wheelchair for 12 months. Uh, I became addicted to opiates. I gained a hundred pounds. My bulimia spiraled out of control. And uh, when you're alone for six months and not one person comes to visit you, uh, it hurts. Uh, It hurts. And uh, that's when I attempted my life and uh, I made it. (laughs) And so at that point, I was like, well, I'm too chicken shit to do it any other way besides overdosing. And I'm never going to do that again. And so what am I left with? I'm like, I'm left with life. And 
I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. And I started like being a team player. And I realized that like, it wasn't about me. Like there was something greater than me. Like I didn't sign a contract to defend this country to make it the George show and be some like army ranger or like GI Joe. Right. Like I was like, no, I'm a part of this. And who am I to think I know even what part it is? Like I was this 22 year old snot nosed kid <laughs> thinking like I was fucking Rambo. Right. And so it changed kind of how I was and I got to really get in with my Marines and, and some interesting stuff started happening. I no longer thought I was better than everybody. I thought I sucked and I needed to learn from everybody. And I started playing team and I started doing all of it. And then it was great because the more I did that, the more recognition I got from my peers, the faster I got promoted. And here's what I realized. None of my bosses liked me, but all my Marines loved me. And it's because I put their interests above my own. Uh-huh. And that was my leadership style. And it was at that point I learned that like the whole Marine Corps is like, if you don't lead from the front, you fail. And I was like, well, here's what's interesting. I can lead from the front, but I don't think it's the best place for me. I'm going to lead from the middle. I can push uh-huh. the people ahead of me. I can grab them behind, but like, I'm no different than my Marines. Like just cause I've been in a couple years longer or I have a different rank on my collar doesn't mean I can't take out the trash or I can't clean this up or I can't do blank. And I'm not going to sit here and try to haze somebody into doing it. And so that kind of became my philosophy is like lead from the middle, be with Mm -hmm. everybody. Like don't try to separate myself on a journey because I never understood how we could say we were team, but then they would try to separate us. And it's like fraternization. If you do this, I was like, that's not Mm -hmm. team. That's segmentation. That's divisiveness. It doesn't work. And so I spent the rest of my career pissing off every one of my peers because I would do all the shit that they wouldn't do. I would be there with their Marines when they got there and they'd show up two hours later. I would go PT with the Marines. They'd show up late. They wouldn't go. I'd go. And I'm like, this isn't about us or me or them. It's about all of us together. And if they're there, I'm there. And that was my whole game. And I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, it's the reason I had meteoric success in my career because You could say anything you wanted about me and 60 dudes would tell you you were wrong and defend my honor like there was no tomorrow because their wives were my wives, their kids were my kids, their interests were my interests. And I led from where it mattered, which was in the trenches with them and like in the mud. And so when I got out of the Marine Corps and I became an entrepreneur, naturally, it just stayed the same. And from day one, I was like, Who am I to put myself on a soapbox? Like there's levels to this game. Like I'm successful. I have friends that are 300 times more (laughs) successful than me. Like I have friends that do a half a billion a year, but you want to know what's interesting is they don't put themselves on a pedestal. They call me, they text me, we hang out and you have no idea. Yeah. There's a reason that that leads to success. And so that became my leadership philosophy. Um, And it was different. It was different in entrepreneurship because the the one thing about the Marine Corps is that we couldn't fire anybody and we couldn't quit. Like no matter what, we were stuck with each other. And so when you're in that container, authenticity is the only way. Entrepreneurship is a little more challenging because uh, I'm not always rewarded for being who I am. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you've seen it. We've lost mastermind members because I'm too authentic or too much. And it challenges people, right? Because it, it exposes shadows. And it's like, hey, I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'll help you do it. And so, yeah, there's still, I own it and I'm here, but there's still doubt that creeps in sometimes. I'm like, did I really just say that? Or is that what I'm supposed to say? And then my check-in is like, well, was it authentic? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, is it true? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, well, then I said it, the end. And that's kind of how it is. And for me, I always want to be on solid ground, always. And so I'm like, when we come into a mastermind call, if I like put on my makeup (laughs) And I'm like, boom, I'm not going to hear anything you say. You're going to feel it from a mile away. And I was like, let's just call a spade a spade. I'm like, guys, Lindsay made me sleep on the couch last night, but I'm still ready to crush some email. You guys ready? And you're like, yeah. And that's the beautiful part about continuing to write a story is that at no point does it ever stop unless you stop putting the pen on the paper. You can write a line. You can add suspense. You can hit a blank. You can hit a dead end. And all you got to do is keep writing and turn around and for me, that's kind of been my my happy pill. Like that's my progress secret. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I've been in plenty of points in my life where trauma or fear or somebody being mad at me and maybe frozen my tracks, right? But then I'm just stagnating and dying. And so I look at it now and I was like, cool. For me, number one, I'm like, hey guys, my wife is mad at me. And as long as I keep thinking that and not acknowledging it, she's probably still going to be mad at me. But at least I acknowledge to you and I take a different action. I'm being different and I'm going to write a different story. And it just so happens a byproduct 
is number one, I'm never the only person who feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> number two is it creates immediate trust and safety for those around because it's truly how I feel. I'm not looking for anything. I don't need validation. I don't need anything. I'm just like, this is how I feel. And number three, it's a permission slip for people to own their feelings and play on that game with me. And then at the moment that happens, we're in the trenches together doing the work. And that's what teamwork looks like to me. So that would be the, the best way I could describe it. Yeah. Well, I mean, my version of that and my, the, you know, how from my viewpoint and the seat that I have, I would, I would agree with most of that. I, um, you definitely do lead from the middle and I absolutely love that about you. I've been in other coaching programs and I've been around other, you know, influencers and mentors and guides and all of those things where you can tell that that's not what they do. You know, it is all about, look at me, I've got it all figured out and, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the leader here. And, uh, you know, and you're coming to me for advice and, you know, I, I could never turn around the tables and admit that I don't have it all figured out. So that's one of the things that I admire about you and appreciate about you is that you do hold space, not only for us, but also you create that space for you to show up however you are feeling and being that, that way at that day, at that moment in time. Yep. And I find that that's really important because, you know, you know, in the work that you do, and the work that I do, you know, we, we are connecting with an audience. It's so important, not only to our businesses, but I think that's just how you and I operate. Like it's oxygen to us. We're yep. people, people. We really care about people. You said at the beginning, you know, you really deeply care about humans. It's just something that you feel a connection to people. And if we're going to go out into our world every day and try to serve people, the way we're going to connect with them is through building, you know, building those relationships and being authentic. And so what, you know, you've built a whole business on this. You've built an entire uh, trademark, you know, yeah. slogan about relationships beat algorithms. But in terms of how you feel business owners and leaders of today, you know, entrepreneurs, leaders of organizations, political leaders, I mean, you know, church leaders, whatever it may be, how what would your best advice be to them about using their story or using storytelling to aid them in that process of developing relationships with their, with their people? Yeah. I love this question. Uh, and I'm probably gonna have a very different answer than you think. Oh, bring uh, it. My, my advice, my recommendation is to use your story to deepen the relationship with yourself and, as a, and as a byproduct the other ones fall into place. And the, the second part of my business phrase, relationships beat algorithms, is nobody has a marketing problem. Everybody has a relationship problem with either themselves, their team, or their customers informed in that order. And the double-edged sword is part of the sword is that you can use your story as a reason to not deepen the relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. Or you can use your story as a way to deepen the relationship with yourself and everything follows it after. And here's how I know. The moment I'm in an interview, I'm on a coaching call, I'm meeting an audience and something happens, the check engine light goes on instantly when there's a part of that story or part of that thing that needs some refinement or sharpening. And in that moment, I have two choices. I can either own it and then go work on it and be aware of it, or I can pretend it doesn't exist. But I have found really through coaching and a long time and the success that I've had consulting is that really I'm just coaching myself and the customer and the client is giving me feedback on where my weak points are. And so any leader has a responsibility to 95% of the time work on yourself. And the byproduct of that is that you become a more effective leader and everything permeates from that point. And so all too often, I just think stories can be used uh, unethically, right? And not mm -hmm. out of ill intention. It's really out of survival. It's out of comfort. It's out of fear sometimes was for me. Um, and so now like I think about my day all the time, like we're going to get off this call and I'm going to reflect. And I feel so integrous right now. Like this is my story. And I was like, oh, there's still parts of this that like I cried four times already. Right. And I remember what each one of them was. And I was like, oh, there's something for me there. Like I get to dive into that and like mm -hmm. figure out what that is just to know, because I look at it like my story is the best way to diagnose my vehicle. And at any point, my story hits my emotions. There's a check engine light that's asking me to pay attention to it. Yep. And that's how I look at it. And so for me, I think our stories as leaders are our best self-development tools that ever exist.
And it's really easy for me because when I tell my story, 90% of this conversation, I'm happy, I'm excited, it feels good. And four parts hit a chord. And I was like, whatever those four chords were are four chords that I have to play with a little bit so I can put them back in tune and figure out what is it there? Is there still something attached there? Is it there? And I can explore that story. And then once I tune it back in, that becomes another tool for me to use, to lead people, to guide people, to share, but also to make sure that I'm keeping myself in integrity. So that's, that's kind of how I'd answer that one. That's such a good answer because even as, as you were saying that I'm thinking about, and you know, you work in the world of marketing, a lot of times, uh, stories, most of the time yeah. stories, <laughs> stories are used as a weapon. They are used as a tool as a coercion tactic as a marketing tactic as a you know a ploy yeah. to get people over onto your side but they're not authentic stories and so that might work right that might work for a hot minute it's like a facebook ad that you got lucky on and it brought you in a whole bunch of people yeah. but at the end of the day it never really works it, it's not sustainable it's not how you can build a thriving business. It's not how you can build, a, you know, a, 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 an audience full of raging fans. It's not how you can influence people and make impact in the world at all. No, and so it really is that piece that you're talking about, like getting getting it for your right for yourself first. Yeah. So for me, it's the congruency. Yeah. You only win if the packaging masters the content. Yeah. That's it. <clears throat> right. Because. You can sit here all day and hand people a thousand boxes in iPhones and when they open it and it's a toy, they're not going to be happy. It doesn't match. It never ends well. And so my life now, like my current work, quite frankly, is holding myself at a very high level to congruence between what I feel on the inside and what I know to be true and what I express on the outside. And it's a process and it's a practice. Storytelling is not definitive. Like the, the one thing a publisher will ever tell you will always tell you is that your book will never be finished until you publish it. That's it. The only time a book or a story is ever done is the moment you print it because it really never ends. It's where you choose to end it. And then it starts right back up. And that was a really yeah. powerful piece of advice for me. And so for me, it's constantly looking at like, I, I catch myself all the time. Like I'll be on calls and someone's like, what is this? And I'll be like, and I'll say something. I was like, is that number accurate? I'm like, Oh, it is. And I was like, but did I have to say that? I was like, yeah, that really didn't add to the conversation at all. Yeah, that was all about my insecurity. Okay. And my wife calls me out on it all the time, all the time. And I love her for it because she'll hear me on a podcast or I'll be doing something. And she's like, was that true? And I was like, hold on. And I'll call him back. I'm like, April, I'm so sorry. I was like, listen, <laughs> I said this uh, and I was like really excited. That is completely false. Let me just own it right now. And I'm, I'm constantly refining the edges of my story to keep it congruent. And it's a practice and uh, it's humbling and it requires humility because I will tell you right now, the times I feel the most vulnerable in my life now, given the way that I tell my story is when I catch that it's out of whack or out of alignment yeah. or I'm trying to mm -hmm. position it. And then I own it and call or say like, sorry. And it's like that now is like my ultimate expression of like presence and vulnerability because the level of confidence I have to have in myself to be able to do that. But it's really important to me to live with integrity. Well, there's a big difference between the feeling of, oh, I need to go share my story or I have to share my story versus I get to share my story. I get, I to. get to do it. I get yep. to, right? I get and to. that's that's where you're really in that integrity with your own self is that, yeah, I get to share this with people and it gets to be the truth. Yep. And when it's not the truth, I can fix it. Yeah. And, and, that, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, I think it's just really, really beautiful. Like, Hey, if you put some words on the page, like wipe them out and write them again, mm -hmm. Yeah, right? you just got to take the action of whiting them out and, and you nailed it. And, and listen, like for anybody listening to this, like there are still plenty of times that I tell my story because I quote unquote need to, but I don't catch it till <laughs> yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Right? Like, Me too. Oh my gosh. You know, listen, we are all still living this human existence and yeah. experience. And so, you know, I'm over here raising two hands because I do that too. I'll catch myself, you know, telling my story from a needy standpoint for myself, right? Like, yeah. oh, I need them to know this. I need yeah. to tell this part. And then I'm like, really, April? Was that for them or was that for me? And that's totally. when my ego, my ego is showing up real big, right? And, and I have plenty of those moments. You've heard me say this on calls from like, hey, guys, I'm about to say something and it's only for my ego. And it's like, yeah. I can't focus because something wants to come out so I much. I get it out. 
So then I'm like, I just frame it and I own it. I'm like, ignore what I'm about to say. This is just for that little four-year-old boy in me that's petrified right now or yeah. feeling unseen or unvalidated. And and for me, I almost like play with it like it's a video game. And it's like, cool, it wants to come out, let it come out. Just frame it, be intentional about where it comes out. You know, one thing we said earlier that I wanted to say, you know, that whole lead from the middle thing. Yeah. The only reason that I really stick with that is because it's so easy. Because mm-hmm. it's just me being me. I don't have to yep. be on. I don't have to be off. I don't have to containerize it. I don't have to separate myself. I don't have to like look a certain way or be this certain person. It's like, no, this is who I am. It's always pink shoes or pink shorts. It's most of the time a hoodie. It's a bald head. I don't own pants really. I don't wear them often. Right? It's always the same. Doesn't matter. Podcast, mastermind, consulting trip, keynote. No matter what, it's the same for me. And that's just always been important to me. And I realized that it's so much easier because it's just authentic expression all the time. And, you know, yeah, I have a lot figured out. Sure. Right. And I still have a lot to learn. And thank the goodness. Way that, the way right. I, thank goodness. The, totally. And the way that I see that, though, is like I do have some people in my life that I know and I love and respect. And it's hard when they have an answer for everything and know everything. And then I was like, Oh, I've showed up like that. I got to stop because it's like, I'm always going to grow and I always want to. And quite frankly, that's never going to happen. If I'm like, I know my story. I know why it happened. I know where it come from. None of us know how this existential meat suit is held together in place. None of us, none of us. And so I'm just surrendered to that. And I'm willing to play the game the best way that I can whether it's a video game, a simulation, whatever the thing is, it's like, I just want to be that character that like has really high scores and integrity and compassion and impact and legacy. Like if you had to pick one in a game, like that's what I'm going for. Well, I know that you get a lot of energy from speaking, you know, doing podcasts, doing videos, being on social media, just talking to people, right? Like that you you and I are a lot alike like that. We just really love to be in the moment with people. But I really am curious. Do you think you'll ever write a book, a real I, like your story in a book? And you have written books. You've written cookbooks. But yeah, yeah, I, I will. Um, I don't feel like I'll write it. It'll be ghostwriting, or somebody will type <laughs> my words. But like that's okay. That counts. So I have like a publisher who's a dear friend who's just waiting to hit go, and a few other ones. And I was like, we could technically just take my podcast. But like, I've actually been really interesting that you've asked that. I think in frameworks now, cause I coach so much and like try to get people support. And it's really funny because lately I've been thinking about like the chapters of my life and like the mm-hmm. evolution of it and a point. And I was like, Oh, I've lived through and I've completed like seven chapters. I'm not through the story yet, but I'm on the other side on the downhill part. And I was like, there's most likely going to be, you know, something I can't say I'd never not write a book again. Um, you just know the one thing that I'm a lot better with verbal spoken, uh-huh. you know, expression. And so uh, I definitely think there's probably like four or five in me um, once I figure out the the benefit that they could have. Because and here's what's interesting. I, I used to think like, oh, I was going to write a book for me to like put my yeah. story out there. I don't need to do that anymore. Like zero part of me is like, oh, I need to let everybody know this story exists, which means that I'm actually probably ready to write a book Uh whenever that time comes. Um, But since my CEO is sitting 20 feet in front of me and nodding his head (laughs) yes to this, April, I would highly recommend that. Yes, Jay. Yes. April's yelling (laughs) yes, Jay. Um, Yeah, I can, I can definitely see it for sure. Um, You know, and and here Here's I can funny. see it for you. I'm just going to say it. That's why I'm asking. Cause I'm like, why is George not written a book? Like you are this business leader. You are this influencer. You're a thought leader. I don't know if you identify as those things, but I'm speaking words over you. Cause it's important to hear it. them. Um, <laughs> you know, you can fill my bucket. April. I will, I will it. fill I, your bucket all day. I am here for it. Like I've done yeah. work. Fill my bucket. I can yeah, accept yes. love now. Yes, 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 yes. And I just think that you do have a lot of, I know you have a lot of wisdom. You share it with us readily um, inside the mastermind, but there are a lot of people that you could reach with your book that, you know, otherwise wouldn't know you, doesn't have a connection to you, doesn't know who George Bryant is, um, certainly doesn't have access to you like I do inside the mastermind and things like that. So I think that um, it would be a really beautiful so, yeah. way to to share. I'm, I'm not at a sticking point, but um, here's why, like, uh, you call me and ask me like, Oh, I have an email thing. I have a very crystal clear. If you follow this, 
this gets that result, right? With right. customer journey, same thing. With mindset, same thing. In the pockets of my life, same thing. The biggest thing for me is I want my story to be wrapped up and be identified as a tool. And I've yet right. to figure out what the best definition of that tool is or the best tool to build is. And that's what I'm still processing because I have many friends that write many books and they're mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and the ones that tell their stories, like David Goggins, for example, right? The book is called Can't Hurt Me. And his story is incredible. If you've never read that book or listened to it, uh, I highly recommend it. It's mind-blowing that that man has endured um, and thrived through. But the whole book is the chapters of his life. But the undertone is, I want to make you mentally hard so you can't hurt me and nobody can hurt you. That afterstate is still something I'm developing for myself mm-hmm. on what that afterstate is. And so I have all the ingredients, but I don't know which way to assemble them yet because I'm still exploring what that afterstate looks like. Well, let me ask you a question. When you, when you use this phrase that you use all the time, because it's, it, you know, I know, I know it's not just a catchphrase to you. You really live, eat and breathe this stuff, which is yep. relationships beat algorithms. What is the afterstate of that phrase? And that, that's such a good question. Um, the top of head and heart answer that I have in my body right now uh, is the gift of presence and loving your life regardless of what it looks like. And when you prioritize human beings and stuff over it, that it's there. But it's this, it's, it's this interesting seesaw that I have because I use marketing and business as a tool to help people deepen their relationship with themselves and those around them, right? And then I also coach on the side and do men's work where I help them sharpen the tools to deepen their relationship with themselves. And I will say, and I will very much own, I am still in the midst of fully loving my life and myself where I am. I love everything, my wife, my family, my kids, my all of it. Um, But it's something that I'm still like working out every day to find that thing or to create that thing. And so it's a, it's a good question. And it's something that, um, it's something that means the world to me. And, and here's what I'll say. It's in me because during the, um, the stupid, the crazy stuff in the world in the last year and a half, um, when all that happened and I lost almost everything and everybody was struggling, instead of me disappearing, I actually wrote a book for free. And I was like, how can I help every single business? And in like a day and a half, I wrote like 78 pages of like, Mm -hmm. do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. So I will say it's getting closer and closer. I'm not going to put anything out there, Um, but it it is something that I think about often. And I think that you are super close on like what that, what that looks like. Um, But it's something I'll play with. It's something I'm open to. And I'm sure if there's enough peer pressure around me and everybody keeps coming to the (laughs) events and the mastermind that eventually it's going to come out sooner or later. And and here's what's interesting about me though, is like, you can tell I'm way more open to it now than I was when you met me. I was like, I'm never writing a book again. If that like, cause that was Uh exhausting for me. Um, But I always hit these points where I'm like, Oh yeah, I can totally see that. Like, Oh, I have mindset nailed. Like I have practice nailed. I have rituals nailed. Right. I have this nailed and like nailed, meaning I know what to use the tools for. Um, and then there's a few pieces that are missing, but what'll happen is we'll be driving home later and like one piece will fall into place. Then I'll be in the sauna in like a week. And I'm like, Oh, that's the tagline. And what I typically Uh look for. And I, I now know this about myself is that like, I'll collect the ingredients and I'll know when I have the last ingredient to start the recipe. And that's typically when I start to do it. That's how my mastermind was born, consulting courses, my live events. Um, you know, all of it's been the same way. Like I had a, a lot of people don't know this, but like I bought my podcast microphone eight years ago and I was like, I'm launching Uh a podcast. I kept the microphone for eight years before I launched the podcast. And it was sitting here. It was great because when I decided to do it, like it took me one minute to set everything up. It's not like I didn't know how to do it, but there was an ingredient missing. Uh, There was a very, very deep ingredient missing. And that ingredient was actually authenticity. Yeah. Like really Uh. owning my story and my life. And, uh, And how I know the ingredient was missing is because my wife was always tagged, like feeling like it was on hollow ground and she couldn't feel safe and couldn't trust me because there was something missing. And during all of this, like in the midst of like probably one of the hardest storms we've ever been through personally as a couple in our business, she looks me dead in the eye and she's like, you need to launch a podcast. And I was like, huh? 
And like, that was the world saying, you have all the ingredients, it's go time. And that was kind of it. And so like, that's a part of my life now. So I'm, I'm, it's not, not on the table. It's definitely on the table. Yeah. I feel like it's coming. I don't know. I feel like yeah. it's coming too. It's coming yeah. way sooner than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. it used to be. And you also got to remember too, I don't like reading physical books. I know you, you listen to everything on audible. I listen. And so yeah. it's like, if you want me to write a book, just tell me to just record a it. nine hour audio. <laughs> Like we'll skip the publishing part and we'll just do a just, nine hour yeah. audio. Like give me a Jay will throw me a title chapter and he'll be like, Hey, riff. And I'm like, cool. Listen, George, seriously. I mean, this, <laughs> I work with a lot of clients, you know, helping them put their books in the world. And this is what we do. A lot of them say that. And I'm like, okay, well let's just get on zoom and I'll ask you a couple of questions and then you just riff. And then all I do is I send them the transcripts and I'm like, here's your freaking book, you know? Yeah. So it could totally be done that way. Yeah. We Absolutely. Have, we have probably thousands of pages of yeah. transcripts already. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. I know. And you know, it's funny as I help publishers build that process to get people to <laughs> help people do it. But well, it's okay. I'm when definitely getting thing, closer harder. because I'm laughing about it now. And I used to just avoid the conversation. Like, no, I'm not doing it. So it's definitely inching closer and closer. Yeah. Okay. Besides your future book, what else is coming up for you? Give me some sort of, give me something. I don't know. Like, what are you dreaming about today? Oh, what? I think I'm so open with all of you. Like, no, you I want something ever, new. <laughs> I want something new. Um, Come on. I, you know what? I, no, I will say, uh, I, I, and I'll be really open. Like the one thing that I'm really, really excited about is the, you know, the live event, uh, taking that to the next level. Cause that's just the beginning of it. And so with you guys in the mastermind and that live event, like that was the surface of what's coming. And now it's like, we come back and Jay is here and we're working. Like I am so focused on like taking that to like a deeper, deeper level. And it excites me to do those events. And so for me, it's deeper levels of what we're already doing, right? Being in person, being with entrepreneurs, exposing them to different things and helping them grow and scale their business ethically and build like deep, deep, deep community and relationship is number one for me. Um, and I actually feel like I now can say that I confidently know what I'm doing and I love it. I don't feel like a fraud. I don't feel like an imposter. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to keep turning up the volume and turning up the volume. And um, that is new for me because it's focused. That is yeah. very new for me. It's not scattered. It's not over here. I'm like, like launching 800 things. I'm like, no, no, this is the thing. Like you've seen me turn down consulting. You see me turn down keynoting and traveling everywhere because it's like, okay, I did it in everybody else's world. Now we're going to build it in our world so we can make it magical for anybody who comes in and their family. And like, that's what excites me more than anything. Well, you do that exceptionally well. I was at the last event, the your first one really that you kicked off. And, you know, I brought and encouraged several of my other entrepreneur friends to come. And we all felt so deeply moved by that experience. And it's funny to say that, you know, here we are like, oh yeah, we're a bunch of business leaders, <laughs> a bunch of entrepreneurs getting together and we're going to talk business for five days. But really that's, I don't even think we talked business at all. You know, we really talked about, we did, but in a different con, in a different kind of way, we really, it wasn't an opportunity to go extremely deep and meet people um, in the room. I, in fact, I, I recorded a podcast after coming back from that event about putting yourself in the room. That was the whole topic of that podcast, because I was like, it's so important that we get out of our own way and that we put ourselves in the room where other, where, where you will be challenged, where you will be encouraged also to sort of like bring down your walls mm -hmm. and be very open you know, that was an event where we could say, look, this is where I'm struggling or like, look, my business is losing money left and right here. Or I have this big, huge dream and I have no freaking clue how, what my next step is. Like we could just be super honest or, you know, it is more about the deeper work of like, I feel like a fraud. I feel like an imposter syndrome. I feel like all these things because we're all saying that stuff all day long or we're feeling it, but we're not always saying it. And so that was a space where, we could all come in and just be truly authentic with what our current story was and not feel any sort of shame or judgment, but yet find tons of support and resources and camaraderie in that community. So it's beautiful. And we have many more to come and I'm excited because the next one's going to be different than the last one you were at. And that's what excites me the most. Yeah. Making them better every time. Every awesome. single time.
Should we, okay. should we put a bow on it? And yeah, like to, to, tell, tell everybody where to, to follow you and all the things to get the information from the, from the event and all your podcast, all the things will link up. So I'll make this really easy. I'll tell you where to follow me, but I'll make it really easy. Just DM me on Instagram and I will send you whatever you want. So I like to make this as easy as possible, right? So if you want the podcast, send me a DM on Instagram. It says podcast. I'll send you the top 10 episodes. If you want to come to Montana, send me a DM on Instagram. It says Montana. I don't want to have you have to do any work. I am here to work for you because I'm in this with you. And so my Instagram is it's George Bryant. Um, and that's the easiest place to find me. But if you want to go scope around, the website is Mind of George. But I would highly recommend you DM me on Instagram. Just send me a DM on Instagram. Podcast, Montana, you're crazy. I love your story. <laughs> I want more of it. Will you come on my show? Whatever it is that you have, just send me a DM on Instagram. And that's the best way to do it. So my Instagram is it's George Bryant. I-T-S-G-E-O-R-G-E-B-R-Y-A-N-T. And of course, that's in the show notes. So click on the show notes to get that link. And um, thank you so much, my friend, for being with me today and thank sharing you all of your wisdom and sharing your story. Of course. Thanks for having me. And thanks for everybody right. listening. Of course. They're the most awesome viewers and listeners ever. I love it. All right. Thanks, George. And thanks to everybody for being with us today. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.